Ask Andy is our new subscriber-only show. Every month, Andy answers your questions. Like these. What's your favourite colour biro? What the f*** is it with you and terrapins? Uh, what are the spring 2024 catwalk colours? How goes it with the sitar? Can you recommend either the floating barge or the detour to Rwanda? What do you think of the kids of politicians getting into politics? Maybe you and your colleagues would be able to suggest some coping mechanisms. And Andy even asks a few questions himself. Do you, do you think I could get to Christmas number one? Subscribe to Ask Andy Now via any podcast platform. Go to thebuglepodcast.com forward slash donate. Hello and welcome to Top Stories, the show in which the Bugle raids its own archives to find out what was happening when it was happening. I am Andy Zaltzman. We're going back to November 2008 and issue 52 of the Bugle, a truly historic moment, an indisputable top story. President Barack Obama, child of the 60s, was elected the 44th president of the USA as America strode boldly into the modern age. It seemed a long time ago, and it was. Obama remains the only US president to have been born since 1946. Strange country, strange world, strange millennium. Anyway, here I am with John Oliver a very long time ago. So, well, there's only one place to start this week, and what a moment for the world. John, a historic moment, a young, charismatic, eloquent, mixed-race man who's excited and inspired the world throughout the year, has broken through the barricades of history to become Formula One world champion. No, Andy, no, that is not the top story. Isn't it? I, I like sport. That is not the top story. Right, what is the top story then? The top story this week is what else, Andy? USA! USA! You, greatest country in the world, Andy. Greatest country in the world until the dust settles and the reality of the current situation starts to sink in. <laughs> but no one's thinking about that now, and rightly so. Number one, baby! Woo! <laughs> So well, it must have been pretty exciting to be uh, be in America uh, for the election, John. Uh, it was extremely exciting, Andy. Barack Obama, or to give him his full name, President Barack Obama, or to give him his middle name as well, President Barack, holy f***ing shit, I can't believe that this has actually happened, Obama, <laughs> became the president-elect of the United States of America. And lo, just over half of the nation went batshit crazy. <laughs> My only concern, Andy, is that America has experienced such incredible mood swings in the last year and is set for a lot more before and then immediately after January the 20th. <laughs> Most doctors would probably argue that America is currently at risk of becoming bipolar. <laughs> this, this nation is exhibiting the classic behaviour of a manic depressive. The highs are incredibly high, such as Tuesday night, and the lows have been incredibly low, such as the last eight years, <laughs> with Michael Phelps thrown in there as well. <laughs> Uh, well, John, it was a pretty decisive victory. It was a margin of defeat that even the Republicans couldn't win with. Um, so, and, you know, when you look back now at the campaign, John, I think there's a number of turning points. And I think probably the key turning point was just towards the end of September when uh, Obama was struggling a bit. And I did a gig for the Democrats Abroad organisation at the Soho Theatre in London. Really? In front of about 120 people. And if yeah. you think back to the end of September, McCain had about a 15 to 18 point lead in most polls, I think. Um, um, no. Um, well, you know, let's say that he did. So I think my gig <laughs> really, really swayed things. Well, I mean, that can't just have been a coincidence. No. I mean, it could have been, but not really. 
Uh, Obama delivered his victory speech in Chicago's historic Grant Park to an adoring crowd, uh, walking onto the stage with his ridiculously photogenic family. <laughs> <laughs> they're a good-looking bunch, the Obamas, Andy. I'm pretty sure there's a photographer's wall somewhere that they're supposed to be on. <laughs> Every time you see them standing together, it's like they're painted in watercolour. There should be a still-life plant wilting lightly behind them, and maybe a naked six-year-old retiree life model with his wang hanging out. <laughs> Obama very impressively managed to resist the temptation to begin his speech with, OK, America, let me let you in on a secret. I am actually a Muslim, and I do hate America. Here's your new Secretary of State, Louis Farrakhan. Well, that, that would have been a real showstopper. Literally, probably, a showstopper. Um, I think the only thing he could have done to Trump that was to uh, admit that he had blacked up for the entire campaign, which I think would have punctured the enthusiasm a bit. But I guess his point would have been... Judge me on my character. It would have been a relief to about 49% of the country. <laughs> this, this was a night that few people thought they'd live to see, including Obama himself, who said, I was never the likeliest candidate for this office. We didn't start with much money or many endorsements. And now look at him, Andy. He has spent more money on his campaign than any candidate in history had almost every celebrity endorsement except for John Voight and Kelsey Grammer, and even had Oprah in the crowd in front of him standing in the cold. That was a moment that most people found almost more unbelievable than anything else. Really, Obama? You're making Oprah stand out in the cold. After all the money that she's given you, you can't even get the Queen of America a backstage pass. <laughs> she should have had a throne right in front of the stage. For shame, Mr. <laughs> President. I'd like to see her as Secretary of State. She's someone who the world can relate to, who the world already True. respects and knows. Yes. And I just can't think of any better candidate. There, there were many, many uh, prominent African-American figures in the crowd, including a tearful Jesse Jackson, uh, who was visibly overcome by the moment, but was also overheard muttering... The most incredible thing about tonight is I still want to cut his nuts off. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Jesse Jackson also uh, said, now I can look my grandchildren in the eye and tell them that if they want to, they can be president too. And I thought this was slightly concerning for the world, John. I had no idea that Jesse Jackson actually wielded that much executive power. And, you know, it's a great moment in democratic history, Obama's election. And straight away, Jackson is trying to hijack it for the benefit of his own grandchildren. Makes me yeah, well, sick. Keep it in the family. And the last time a president was accused of fathering black children, Thomas Jefferson, he kept pretty stum about it. And it's great to see that Obama has the confidence to parade his proudly around on world television. Shows how much well, America has changed in the last 200 years. The most touching moment was perhaps when Obama spoke to his daughters, saying, Sasha and Malia, I love you more than you can imagine. And you have earned the new puppy that's coming with us to the White House. Fathers across the globe all instantly started feeling like bad parents. <laughs> because that is holding your children to a very high standard. You can have a puppy if and when you help get me elected president. <laughs> Most parents give their kids puppies just for not drinking milk through their nose. Well, I think it's quite encouraging as well, John, that um, Obama is showing that he's going to reach across the... Uh, the political divide, and keep some of the good bits of the Bush administration. And I think, you know, the world has probably agreed there has only been one good bit, and that is the what White bit? House Dogs Christmas video. There you go. So yeah. it's good that he's, he's big enough just to not chuck everything out indiscriminately. That's right, absolutely. But the night wouldn't have been complete without some trademark Obama hyperbole. He, he addressed his campaign team at one point, saying, to the best campaign team ever assembled in the history of politics, you made this happen. Whoa, there. <laughs> the entire history of politics. I'd just like to say to my campaign team, you made Caesar's campaign team look like a giant group of douchebags. Seriously, 
You made the people around Alexander the Great look like clowns. And bad clowns. Like fat old clowns that should have retired years ago. Tired birthday clowns whose balloon animals all look pornographic. <laughs> You're the greatest. Well, I guess, you know, part of his appeal to the world, and there's been amazing scenes all around the world. In fact, uh, in Britain, here, following the November the 4th election, there were, the next day on November the 5th, fireworks displays all around the country to celebrate. And I guess it's because everyone around the world feels able to relate to Barack Obama. And I feel this, John. I feel uh, I've got a lot in common with him. Uh, I've got a white mother. My father is from Africa, uh, albeit South Africa. Well, Um, yeah. uh, (laughs) Same continent. Yep. My wife's a lawyer. I have a daughter. I don't really like terrorists. Uh, I've got relatives whose lives I have absolutely no idea about. (laughs) I had quite an odd-shaped head as a kid. (laughs) <laughs> and above all, I think this is where me and Obama really link on a spiritual level. This is spooky. Level. This is spooky, Andy. <laughs> where we really link on a spiritual level is I too know what it's like, just like he does, to stand up in front of a crowd and speak for an hour and not get any laughs. I know outdoor gigs are tough, John, but he got nothing. Lots of applause, but no laughs. And he was really making points more than cracking jokes, and I'm just not really sure that's comedy, to be honest. At one point he spoke of a 106-year-old voter called Anne Nixon Cooper and all the changes that she'd seen in her life, saying, if my daughter should be so lucky as to live as long as her, what change will they see? What progress will we have made? And as one, we all knew what he was talking about, Andy. Rocket boots. (laughs) That's his mission. (laughs) For Kennedy, it was the moon. For Obama, it's an affordable, fully working rocket boot. That's what America needs. That is transport we can believe in. <laughs> Come on, America. If we can dream it, we can do it. So, well, I guess and that's the problem, John, is expectation management is going to be difficult. As Norman Mailer himself said, expectation, like an exploding rhinoceros, is a dangerous beast. <laughs> and, well, he might have said it. I didn't spend a lot of time with him. Now he's dead, so I guess we'll never know. But I guess, you know, there is, you know, there's so much excitement about having a president who talks like presidents talk in TV drama series. And, you know, people will be expecting, be expecting him to come up with a scientific formula for turning bread into sandwiches. And basically, John, these are really tough times to be a pessimist at the moment. Yeah. You, know, you really have to dig deep to really see the worst in this. That's right. I mean, there's no doubt there is going to be an inevitable anticlimax when pessimists can come back from under their rock. But for now... For now, it's really good for at least a while, even though it may be transient, even though it may be ultimately hopeless to see the good in things. (laughs) And for his part, John McCain made a very gracious concession speech, a lot more gracious than George Bush's concession speech eight years ago, which he somehow managed to put off for so long that it became an inauguration speech. (laughs) I'm still not quite sure how that happened. Uh, McCain began by saying, a little while ago, I had the honour of calling Senator Barack Obama to congratulate him. And his supporters responded to this noble sentiment by promptly booing. (laughs) That's the spirit, the old poisonous talk express reaching its final destination. I am really starting to get the feeling that John McCain would be quite happy never to see his supporters ever again. (laughs) But I'll tell you the real unsung hero is here, Andy. President Bush. He has managed to screw up the country so badly that America is now ready for a black president. There's no way that would be happening if he hadn't been so absolute in his incompetence. In many ways, he's a pioneering civil rights leader. He's like Rosa Parks, if Rosa Parks had, instead of refusing to go to the back of the bus, had become a poorly qualified bus driver, had crashed almost every bus in Montgomery into a ditch to the point that no one really wanted to ride the bus anymore, and black people were therefore free to sit where they wanted. They each had their methods, but they each did great things. (laughs) 
That was another top story. Thank you for listening. To find out how the world is panning out 14 and a half years since Obama was elected, go to thebuglepodcast.com for the latest issue of the show. <laughs>